hello, hello, and welcome to the first episode of the Olive Press podcast, sponsored by Olive Tree Learning. And I am Sharon Barrett with you today. I'm just going to warn you all in advance, this podcast is going to be real and raw. We're not going to worry about getting fancy because I have finally taken to heart the wisdom from business coaches and entrepreneurs that done is better than perfect. So uh, rather than agonizing about making the perfect introductory episode for this podcast, I decided to just go for it and plunge in. So I'm excited that you decided to join me for this adventure. This podcast, The Olive Press, is going to be um, kind of a little bit of everything, but we're going to focus mostly on educational philosophy, so the purpose of education, the principles of education, and then the, the various philosophies that have cropped up in the education industry and are influencing how children and even adults speaking of college students, are taught. So I thought today I would start out with a quick discussion of why we even do what we do in education and why it matters. It was kind of inspired by some conversations that were had over at the Mama's It's Time to Roar virtual summit hosted by Kristen Dronchi, which aired live last week. So if you're hearing this at the time that it's aired, this is um, late September of 2023, and the summit was aired last week, and it may the recordings may still be available for purchase into the future. I don't know, but I do recommend you just Google it and find the website, or go to Kristen Dronchi's page and see what she has to say about it. I'm sure she has something posted on her blog since she hosted the event. But... As part of this event, I was asked to speak about college and career alternatives for um, families that are looking to step outside of the mainstream agenda and explore how God may be leading them without having to be told what to do by the so-called authority figures in the government, the media, Hollywood, even the church all of the social structures that we have built up that are somewhat artificial, that don't necessarily listen to the creator or um, bring forth his mandate into our lives. They're, They're kind of doing their own thing that is guided by the principles of this world and the system of this world, which we know, as the Bible tells us, is passing away. It's not permanent. It is not eternal. We want to focus our lives and build our foundation on the things that are eternal. So when, we, when it comes to education, our, our whole system and our whole structure has really gone out of kilter, at least in the United States, because we have an entire system of higher education that has become focused on getting you a job. Somehow we have this mentality that getting a college degree equates to being employable. It does something for you in the workforce. It's, it becomes a check mark. We have 
we have this exchange going on where I go in, I give you my time, my energy, my effort, and my all of my brain power and my heart for four years, and you will put me out the other end with a degree, and then all of a sudden I'm qualified to go out into the world and do all of these wonderful things, get a job, start a career, buy a house, wh- what all the whatever all the things are that people do when they have a degree. Um, it's a function machine. We've turned college education into a function machine. If you remember that word from doing your Saxon math in fourth grade, input, output. You put one thing in on this end and the other thing comes out and whatever happens in the middle is the, that's the function. That's the special little equation that happens. So we've constructed an equation in our culture that says um, 18-year-old impressionable person in four years later uh, ching 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 um, spit out a qualified citizen for the workforce with this degree stamped on the back of their hand that says they are they're now officially qualified to go and do things in this process we've completely lost the true value of education. It, it's not supposed to be about what it does for you in the working world. I mean, you, people can get jobs without degrees, first of all. And second, we have now a resulting issue called degree inflation. If you have noticed, if you're in um, industry or the corporate world or higher education, jobs that you used to be able to qualify for with a bachelor's degree are now starting to require a master's because we have so many more people with bachelor's degrees that the degree has lost some of its value. So to become more competitive, you have to get a master's. Well, what about positions that used to be uh, that you used to be able to qualify for with a master's degree? Well, now to be competitive, you better have a PhD or be working on one. So, degree inflation. And I've noticed something else. This push toward turning college education into something that qualifies you for a job rather than makes you more of a whole, um, fully rounded human being is that we're losing the interest in and the emphasis on the humanities, which were the original purpose of even having a college education system, and I'll get into that in future episodes. We've lost the humanities. Some universities are even defunding them, cutting the programs, and eliminating entire departments in languages, literature, even the social sciences, in order to focus on STEM fields. Sci- uh, what are they? Science technology, engineering, and mathematics. Um, we've become a culture that has lost the value of the beautiful things that humans produce, the things that make us human. The th- now what makes you valuable is whether you can perform feats of 
technology, engineering, and mathematics? Well, scientific pursuits without the human side and without reference to the creator typically end in either futility or a mad rush to try to overcome the natural limitations of human existence, limitations that God has put in place for our own safety. So once again, okay, I could get on that rabbit trail, but that's um, food for a future episode as well. What I really wanted to get at today and prompt you to think about is with this change in the value that our culture places on education, I think we have taught students from a very young age, but all the way up until higher education, we have taught students to value education for the wrong reasons. And that has actually changed their internal value system and what happens inside their minds and hearts when they learn. So I want you to think about the difference between two terms, extrinsic and intrinsic. Extrinsic motivation is motivation that's driven by factors outside of oneself. So think of the words external or exterior. It's something outside. The best way to think of extrinsic motivation would be having to do with reward and punishment. So something good that happens to me coming from the outside or something bad. So the, the good thing will make me do more of the desired behavior and the bad will make me avoid behaviors. Intrinsic motivation, so think of internal or interior, intrinsic motivation is what comes from inside me. It's based on what gives me pleasure and joy, something that I enjoy for its own sake, not just for what it will do for me. So if I have intrinsic motivation, I don't just go to college with the hope of getting a degree that will get me a job. That benefit may still be there, but my real reason for going through this process and committing four years of my life to intensive study and loss of sleep and a complete restructuring of my social life, uh, oftentimes being you know, separated from my family geographically, changing my habits, changing my social group, um, exposing myself to new ideas that may be threatening and difficult to counter. The reason for doing all of this is because I actually enjoy challenging myself and learning new things and grappling with ideas and meeting other people who enjoy the same things. That's just at the college level. Take it back for a minute to the grade school level. Take it back to kindergarten, first grade, when children are learning to read. Why should I, as a five or six-year-old, get excited about reading? Or a seven or eight-year-old, pick your age. Why should I be motivated to do that? I mean, you could tell me that I'm going to get a better grade in school if I read the assignments and understand them. Okay, well, that's a, that's a positive extrinsic motivator. 
you could offer me a prize for how many books I read in a period of time or for reading this many chapters or for graduating to another level of uh, length of book. Again, that's extrinsic. If I want to get something from you for doing what you ask, that's extrinsic motivation. You could also tell me that if I don't do my assigned reading, I will be punished either by having something taken away or by having a negative force applied to me. That may get me to read just to avoid the negative consequence, but it's not going to make me enjoy it. It's not going to make me be intrinsically motivated. Intrinsic motivation when it comes to reading in childhood has to do with the love of the experience. What can we do to stimulate that love and enjoyment and passion so that reading isn't a chore, so that reading isn't even just something that I do for fun, but so that reading is a, f a whole experience that I gravitate toward and I long to repeat and I will change my routine to make sure that I get to do it. I will sacrifice other things so that I get to do the thing that I love. Now I'm going to interrupt myself here and just say I know that every child is different. Every child has a different learning style, different makeup, different blueprint from the Creator. Not every child is going to be passionate about reading or become a bookworm. Some kids just are not built that way. They would rather be working with their hands or playing outside, swinging from trees, doing dangerous, risky stuff, uh, going and having adventures, or dressing up and narrating things in costume, or cooking. There are so many pursuits that, that you can apply apply all of your artistic beautiful creativity to and all of that love and passion and and drive that are not reading but in general in general the goal because we still are a culture that's built around words even though we're shifting toward a visual culture words and books and literacy are becoming less important and less valued. We st we're still a culture of words, and as long as human beings have language, words are going to be our means of communication. And reading, being immersed in books, it just does something to how you learn and how you think. It teaches you to experience being alone with your thoughts and being in your little mental room with someone else's thoughts because that author had their thoughts in their head worked out how they were going to express them and then put them down on paper in a book in a format that would be portable across time and space to be transferred to you so that you could then take that physical object use your interpretive skills 
use the decoding process that you learned when you learned how to read. Then interpret those words, take them into your own mind, work them out, grapple with them, understand them, and then fit those into your fit those thoughts into your own mental filing cabinet and expand your own mind and make yourself into a slightly different person each time you do that process. Because every time you encounter someone else's thoughts and go through the labor of decoding, interpreting, and understanding them, and then deciding whether to apply them or not, you are building your mental file cabinet with more information. You may even be rearranging it and tossing things out that you put in there last time. And you are adding to who you are as a person. Every time you add to your mental library or change it or shuffle it or refile it, you're affecting who you are as a person. So reading is incredibly important for that reason alone. And it also allows us access to the ongoing broader experience of humanity. As soon as human beings figured out how to read and write, they started recording their experiences. In the beginning, they were mostly recording <laughs> their <laughs> accounting history for their businesses. But once, uh, once this technology of putting words in a portable format became more popular and more established, it was something that people could use to pass down wisdom and knowledge. That's why we have ancient texts like the manuscripts of the Bible, because people realized we can use this technology to make knowledge more permanent. We don't have to only rely on oral tradition and memorizing the stories that are told to us around the campfire. We can put things in script and they will stay there as long as that physical object stays intact and doesn't decay from age. Those words will stay there on that page. They can be read by anyone who knows how to read that language and they will benefit from the wisdom that we have recorded. So, reading, very important. Um, that's not even getting into the, the beauty of literature and what it does for our souls in teaching us to have uh, emotions and affections for good and beautiful things as opposed to trite and ugly things. So lots more to say in the future. I'm really excited for where this podcast is going to go. Uh, really excited that you're going to stop along this journey with me and maybe we can get together and have a cup of tea sometime. Hey, maybe that's what I'll do. I'll bring a, a cup of tea to every podcast and let you know what I'm drinking today, whether it's uh, lavender or nettle or rose bud or rose hip. And maybe you can go and learn some things about the herbs along the way too, if I can inspire you there. So time to wrap it up for today, but this has been Why Education Matters, Extrinsic or Intrinsic, inaugural pop 
podcast episode from the Olive Press with Sharon Barrett from Olive Tree Learning. Thanks for joining me, and I will see you next time. Shalom.